Hey, church. Nice to see you. Thanks for joining us. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but it's hard for a lot of people to keep up with the technology of the day. Where are the videos? Where are the updates? Where are the things I want to find on the website? You can be really, really helpful with that if you share it a lot. When you see something, like right now, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, if, if you forward it or friend it or like it or whatever you're at, wherever you're at, spread it around to your friends and neighbors so they can see it and even be prompted and reminded to keep um, the kinds of things that we're, we're doing as a church in front of one another. Time can just really get away from you. So help one another out, share stuff, point stuff, be in contact with one another. Like this last Sunday, right? We were going to meet on Sunday night and uh, the thunderstorms roll in and we have to cancel at the last minute. And I, and I know that a few of you didn't get that word. I, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm with you. Had, had I not been in part of the decision, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't see it either. <laughs> we really got to help each other out. Uh, boy, it is, it is getting harder and harder to gather. The weather doesn't help. The, the pandemic obviously doesn't help. And um, if you haven't seen it, an email should have hit your box this week with a video from me explaining yet again why we are going to pause our summer uh, plans for Sunday night uh, gatherings outside. Um, they, they fall into three basic categories where we're thinking of safety, uh, not only of us, but uh, those in whom we come in contact um, after we meet. That's the challenge. Stewardship, but where we put our resources. And third strategy, uh, the opportunity right now to be able to shape the church in new ways the way God would have it. So we're working hard on all that stuff. Um, lots of details at the website. Check back if you've never seen them and maybe even reread some of the updates that we have posted there. They go into, they go into great detail for you. Um, and then from there, look, look for that email, uh, check it out, try to find it if you didn't see it already from this week. I wanted to also make mention of the fact that Dr. Kevin Dudley will be speaking um, next Sunday. So be ready for that. It's a great guy, very influential, connected uh, throughout Columbus. Um, wonderful man, wonderful preacher. Uh, you've met him. He was part of our um, uh, Relevant series that we did uh, a year ago. Uh, and we've invited him back and building a, a relationship with him and the, and the catalyst uh, for Columbus movement uh, in Columbus. Uh, look forward to that. And then finally, I wanted to mention that uh, I know things are hard. <laughs> I mentioned this last week, and I, I just, I don't, I wanna, I don't wanna be uh, 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 predictable here, but, uh, or, or stating the obvious, but there are a lot of you that are struggling in different ways uh, with the pandemic, with uh, the issues with regard to gathering in the church, um, all sorts of things. I just want to know, I just want you to know you're not alone. I, I don't talk to anyone who isn't affected in some way uh, by this. Emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, uh, these are hard times. Reach out, be honest, be transparent. Uh, assume that others are struggling as well and uh, be encouraging to one another, stick together, care for one another, get help when you need help. Um, it, it, these are hard times. They, they, just, they just really, really are. Uh, we're in the middle of uh, 
uh, a series called The Struggle is Real. <laughs> it is. The struggle is real. Not only the struggle that we face in our culture and in our lives and, uh, and in physical ways, but the struggle is real spiritually. The struggle to believe is not an easy thing. To, to stay unified as a church is not an easy thing. To, to be faithful and to be true and to pursue God in the ways that he would have us pursue, to, to live it out, it's a, it's a struggle. We are looking through a, uh, a confession, if you will, a creed called the Apostles' Creed that lays out really the fundamental beliefs of the Christian faith. Doesn't make it any easier. In fact, it really does point to the things that are, you could argue, are the most difficult things to believe. But those things are the core of what we believe. And it's good to remember. It's good to look. It's good to reaffirm what it is we believe so that in the times that are hardest, uh, we have it right there. And we say, you know what? I'm tempted to not believe. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm compelled uh, to, to, to question, but I've made a commitment. I've made a vow. I confess and I reconfess. This is what I believe. Today, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit. But let me start with this question here. Um, how often in conversation with others do you feel like you're not quite comprehending what they're saying? I count it really as a normal thing these days. And I don't know if that's because I'm in my, in my mid-50s, but when I get done with a conversation or I'm in mid-course of a conversation, someone should pause or hesitate and say, hey, do you understand what I'm saying? I, I am inclined these days to say, no, I, I probably don't. I probably don't understand what you're saying because here's one of the things I've learned. Communications, coordination among humans is exhaustively difficult. In fact, it, it almost seems arrogant to me to assume that I do know what you're saying. It's, 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 it's difficult in the very least, sometimes impossible to understand what someone else is saying. In fact, you have probably told me that you appreciate something that I've said in a sermon that I've never said in a sermon. It's happened after church. It's happened through email. And, and you've been very kind and very encouraging about these statements or these words or these sentiments that, that, I, that I delivered. And I could show you my notes and I didn't say that. I could show you the video. And it's because when we speak, what we think we're saying, the definitions that we have for words, the, the context in which I live versus the one in which you live, it, it all works together to sort of contort whatever's being said into something a little different than what you meant. One time I said in a sermon or during a sermon that I expected our elected officials to not be so flippant with their words, but to speak with a thoughtfulness that reflects an understanding that their words carry both the power to be either destructive or constructive. After the message, someone came up to me and cautioned me about letting my politically liberal views come through in church. And I kid you not, 10 minutes later, someone told me they didn't realize I was politically conservative in nature. How is that? How is that? I wasn't even really talking about politics, but I sounded 
to two different people, two completely different ways. All that has shaped you and is, in, is shaping you now. All the, the relationships that you experience and the associations that you have and the, and the work that you do all work together to create an interpersonal capacity with others who have a completely different makeup to have difficulty communicating. Maybe you've noticed, maybe you've noticed when it comes to communications, when it comes to interpersonal dynamics, when it comes to coordinating, it's just hard. Apart from a very intentional, patient process to understand one another, to get along or to try to accomplish something together, um, it takes a lot of work. It's really hard. I don't mean to, uh, to be overly sensational here, but our ability to connect or our propensity to, to be disconnected are sin issues. They're, they're sin issues. Our inability to fully engage one another, to communicate well, to connect the way we wish we would, are related to our, our deepest impulses not to trust God but to instead see things and do things our way. The way that God intended for us to be, the way that he designed humanity, didn't include these kinds of problems. Our original design was to be in harmony with God and others. All was good and all was well following God's creation of all things, including man and woman. He said, it's good. It's, it's very good. But then Adam and, Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Sin entered the world. And look what happened. It's covered in Genesis chapter 3. Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from him among the trees. And God called out, where are you? And they answered, we're in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. You know, this isn't harmony, right? What happened? The sin entered the world and suddenly what we find is separation and fear and distance, not only with one another, but with God. What well, we see when sin enters the world is a, a disordering of human relationships. There's a curse now at the core of the relation between man and woman, between parents and children, between all humans, and, and as well with, the, with all of creation. It's broken. God's creation is divided from itself. This is exactly what we find uh, in the story of Babel. Uh, you know, in the 11th chapter of Genesis, after, after the fall and after the, 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 the world and, the, uh, and then humanity starts to grow. Listen, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. They still had that at least. We were, we were broken apart, but we had one language. And they said, let's build a city and let's build a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. You see, that's a sinful direction. 
God says, I created humanity so that they would glorify my name, not their own name. So the Lord came down, see the city and the tower the people were building. And he said, well, if one people speaking the same language have begun to do this, then they're going to be able to do all sorts of stuff. It's not going to be healthy. So let's confuse their language so uh, they don't understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from here and there all around the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. So God divides their language, makes it impossible for them to conspire together against him or away from him. But they're also no longer reflecting the, the image of God. We no longer as a people naturally embrace a, a common good or share creation like we should. Instead, we're carving out our own little spaces uh, that we can independently rule and, and live in. We find humanity splintered apart at that point and continues to be scattered about the earth, divided. So it should make more sense to you now when you don't understand what somebody's saying. Or, or, or they don't understand what you're saying. You should understand why marriage is so hard. You should figure out now and understand now why it's hard to keep a staff unified or a team on the same page. It's an uphill battle. You should understand why as a parent or as a teen, you have trouble communicating through that parent-teen gap. You should understand why it's so difficult to build a multi-ethnic church. The struggle is real, but... We have a welcome solution to all this. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Which, of course, the apostles rightly understand and incorporate into our creed, into the confession, into our Christian vow. So let's recite it together. And, and remember, as we do this, the creed is not just a set of words that are intended to help you believe something. They articulate the very, very hard things that we are determined to believe about God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. It's not a theological statement meant for the halls of academia. This is a confession that we cling to when it's most difficult in life to cling to it. So let's say it and believe it. Here we go. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day, he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Here's where we're camping out today. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic or worldwide church. It's not capital C Catholic as in the, the, the Catholic faith. It's the word Catholic, which means universal. So the whole worldwide church and the communion of saints, which means the unity of the believers. So let's talk about this role of the Holy Spirit 
in the Christian life, in your life, if you've decided to trust Christ, he sends the spirit to live within you. Well, what does that mean? What is that about? What's the purpose of the spirit? Well, here's in a nutshell. Where sin and God intervened at Babel, how that resulted in a splintered humanity and a divided language, God again, now through the spirit, reverses that trend. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but the, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to unify the church. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gets co-opted for my own purposes. We think a lot about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the expressions of the Holy Spirit. And of course, all of those things are, are worth looking into and they are real. But the primary purpose for the Spirit is unity, which works its way out individually in different ways. But we are to be unified, if nothing else, than by the Spirit. The Spirit is bringing humanity back together. And we see this starting at Pentecost. This, this initial gathering after Jesus was, was uh, crucified, dead, buried, raised to new life and ascended into heaven and sits at the throne. He said, and when I leave, I'm going to send the Spirit. Be patient, wait. And so they were waiting. And then it happened. Jesus departed and he sent his spirit. And this is how Luke covers it in the book of Acts, second chapter. They're all in one place. They being Christians, they being Jesus followers. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Like the some sound that they'd never heard before came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So there's this, there's this sound they've never heard before, and it's, and it's filling the whole room, and it creates this sense of something that is also connected to each person individually, but it surrounds the whole room. So the Holy Spirit hasn't lost sight of individuality, but it has also engulfed all of those individuals into one surrounding space there. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And a crowd came together, bewildered by this language, and each one was hearing their own language being spoken. You see what's going on there? The Holy Spirit fills them. They're each speaking, but whoever is listening in this very eclectic group of people in here, multiple different languages, Whatever a person is saying and whoever is listening is hearing. No confusion. No. What, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I absolutely do, which is crazy because you're not even speaking my language, but I'm hearing my language. Once a person is reconciled to God in Christ, well, once you're a Jesus follower and you've, and you've put your faith there, he sends the Spirit We all, we all live in this unified space if you're a Christian, right? You understand what I'm saying? From God's vantage point, there are two sorts of people. Those that are forgiven and reconciled and eternally secure by faith in the Son and those that are not. 
And in a sense, we are unified because we are on this side of that eternal line. We've trusted Christ. We've, we've been reconciled to God. We've been given eternal security. And in that space, we are the same. But the diversity on either side of that eternal line really is still the same, right? If you think about it, all the things that make us different from one another exist on either side of that eternal line. The difference is that apart from Christ, on the other side of the eternal line, humanity is doomed to division and strife and ineffectual relationships. There's no way out of that. There is no unifying spirit. There's There's nothing that can unify like Christ can on the side of the line of the people that are in Christ, we are unified. We aren't made the same, right? We aren't, we're, we're still a diverse, crazily diverse group, just like that side. But we're unified. We're, we're now yielded to one another. We're now deferential to one another. We have a, a more of a submissive space where we are called to unity. Listen to how this guy captures this. This guy, Ben Meyer says, the spirit fulfills the creator's original plan by bringing forth a universal community whose boundaries are as wide as the world. The spirit broods over the chaos of human nature, lovingly piecing the fragments back together so that together we form an image of the creator. Just like the spirit hovered over the, uh, hovered, hovered into the darkness and, 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 and brought about creation. Just like the spirit hovered over the, the, the empty womb of, of, of Mary and conceived the son of God. The spirit of God is now hovering about and through uh, the believers in a broken world, moving, drawing, and bringing about a new and unified and healing humanity. The spirit of God that lives within the believer is bringing about a beautiful mosaic of unity amongst a beautiful diversity of believers. So what do you make of the Holy Catholic Church, this holy worldwide church? What you have is a worldwide invitation a wide open invitation. The gospel is not addressed to one particular social class or ethnic group. It's addressed to every imaginable human being. In Jesus, all the old social divisions are irrelevant. The church includes every kind of person, rich and poor, male and female, Jew and Gentile, so the scriptures go in Galatians chapter 3, slave and free. Whatever defined a person before is relevatized, if that's a word, by the new defining mark of membership in the company of Jesus' followers. The new defining mark of Jesus' people is the unifying power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said, you will know, they will know, the world will know that you are my disciples by your love. By the way that your diversity does not divide you. The way you take opportunity to lay down your life for your brother or your sister. And that is a move of the Spirit of God. Without the Spirit of God, we look out for numero uno. We do what's best for me. I am the most important thing. I must win. I must have the most. I must be seen as the smartest. I must be the most popular. The Spirit of God moves us to become more like the Son of God who says, I lay down my life in order to lift yours up, even if you're my enemy. That's the Spirit of God. We aren't joined together by our music tastes or our where we were born or our ethnicity or the amount of money we have or don't have or our personality types or our teaching style or our meeting spaces. That's why every division among believers is, is truly a denial of the gospel. It's the evidence of, of a lack of the Spirit of God moving. A Christian community is always uniting. Wherever we find a line of division within the human family, the risen Jesus calls us up and empowers us with his Spirit to cross that line. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all. Does this mean that your communications and coordinations within the family and your marriage and your teams and your staff and your, and your politics and your associates and your, uh, and your Christian groups and your church and among the churches of a city is easier or better? No. Does it mean that while you're driving, it's going to be perfectly smoothly, smooth sailing with all the other drivers? Does it mean that while you're playing, everything's going to go swimmingly well? Does it mean your work is going to be uh, not difficult or challenging? No, no, no. It means that what could divide us and would divide us and unavoidably divides us now by the Spirit can be an astounding, self-sacrificing opportunity for unity. Watch for, expect, anticipate conflict, miscommunication, relational friction. And instead of powering up in those spaces or pulling back in those spaces, see it as an opportunity for the Spirit of God to empower you to live like Jesus. To serve. To yield your power. To let your enemy enjoy the win. 
to do good in secret, to promote another person at your own expense, to respond to unthankfulness by thanking other people, to trust God rather than to worry. That is Holy Spirit Jesus stuff that builds unity. What about this uh, communion of saints? What about that? Well, what's powerful here isn't simply what's written into the creed, but what's not written. What you don't see are particular ideologies, methods for worship or church, structures uh, that are suggested by which the church should carry on. Those things are not specified, which parallels the Gospels perfectly, that the apostles have grasped it perfectly in the creed. They understood, as the Gospels portray, that Jesus is demonstrating how to live, why we live, far more than what it's supposed to look like externally. Being a Christian isn't really about institutional membership or adopting a system. To become a Christian is to be included in the circle of Jesus' followers united by the Spirit. We all take the same bath. We all eat the same meal. You understand what I'm saying? We, we, all, we all are baptized. We all, we, all, we all celebrate the Lord's Supper. The same one that Jesus shared with his followers. The New Testament offers me a written record, the Gospels particularly, a written record of four of Jesus' disciples that tell us what he said and what he was like. And we read not to study about Jesus, but to know him, to commune with him. We affirm in the creed the communion of saints, the fellowship of the believers around and focused on Jesus and knowing him. We are unified around Jesus alone and empowered by the Spirit to find unity and love amidst our sometimes phenomenal differences. We aim for everything in our lives, right down to the smallest and even most disappointing details, to enter somehow into this communion with Jesus and other Jesus followers. I want my whole life to be, like Paul says, hidden with Christ in God. No other defining factor. That leads to a life of meaning beyond ourselves. I begin to see myself when I commune with Jesus, with all the believers ever in history and all around the world right now, I begin to see myself as part of a great company, an ever-widening circle of people who have handed their lives over to Jesus and his pattern of life. A great company of followers, believers, Confessors, disciples 
who speak with one voice, breathe with one spirit, and cry out to our Abba Father, the one that puts us right in his lap, a company that prays unceasingly in prayer together. (laughs) This is the Spirit of God bringing a beautiful unity amongst our incredibly beautiful diversity. Let me challenge you that during these disruptive times, these distancing times, where we can't seem to find a way into a building together, let's make every effort to meet in the Spirit. For that is where our truest communion is. That's where our truest togetherness is. And that is where the most meaningful sense of belonging is found. Come on, church. Pray together, whether or not you're together. Worship together, whether you're together or not. Eat together, whether you're eating together or not. Do all of life together with all of the saints in Christ and in the power of the Spirit. Hope to see you soon. I really do.